ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. Nathan Bell joining me as always. Zach Bartle. Zach, what's going on, man? You know, I'm in danger of podcast fatigue. <laughs> Ted Cluck has been at my house the last 24 hours, uh, 36 maybe, and we recorded uh, six eps. Dude, you're the- like packing them in this summer. <laughs> well, it's the summer gut check. And the last uh, one we finished was at about three thirty a.m. Snap! Uh, so yeah, we didn't want to. We didn't want it to end, so we just lit up some more cigars. Um, my wife is on this like uh, I'm a mixologist kind of a kick, and she's over here like uh, anybody want uh, you know blah blah blah. I don't know. I don't drink. I don't know what these names of these things are, but um, I was intrigued by all of them. I had a mojito, which I think Ooh. is a feminine thing, and I liked that. Um, the only drinks I like are feminine, uh, but think it was a fun time. It was a great time. But when I thought, man, record more podcast, I got to admit, I had to psych myself up for it. <laughs> uh, dude, well, I feel you a little bit, not, uh, in podcast overload, but this summer I am co-directing uh, camp at my school. It's a five day camp. And so I've been getting up at five o'clock every morning to drive in and work and then, you know, getting home sometime between four thirty and five at night. And isn't the uh, whole reason you become a teacher so you can sleep in, in the summer, man. <laughs> and for I, the kid and for the kid. I know. I know. Dodgeball. Uh, that's why, that's why teachers play dodgeball. <laughs> Take all the frustration and vengeance out on them. Um, no. So initially I wasn't going to actually, this would have been the first summer that I wouldn't have had to because previous schools that I worked at didn't pay throughout the summer, but this was going to be it. And then I started doing some calculations and I figured I could pay one of my student loans off if I, if I did this. Oh yeah. That's a big impetus, man. I, I remember getting out from under that monster and feeling like, wow, I can do anything. (laughs) I know. (laughs) A weight has been lifted. (laughs) Dude, I'll fight Cliff Graham right now while I'm still high, you know, this stuff. I'd still lose, but hey, right, crazy yeah, but enough I'd to it. fight it. Do it with gusto. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Dude, so we had a we had a pretty sweet we had a pretty sweet time, uh, and we got our hundredth ep in. Yeah, and we had a little discussion on that. I don't, you know, a little crossover. You like crossovers? Absolutely. I like crossovers. Um, like I like to. I, I really like the DC Marvel crossovers of old. Mm. Um, setting Batman us up for our uh, yeah, setting us up for our future uh, for our future topic on this episode. So throwing down some breadcrumbs. That's yeah, right. I'm doing it. That's I'm right. a professional That's radio. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really found it odd that you <laughs> you guys, you and Greg, got started. Uh, it was a little after we got started because it was 2015, right? I think so. Yeah, and we got our deal going in. Uh, 2014. I don't remember when. Mid to late 2014. Yep. And yet, uh, you hit 200. We hit 200. And then me and Ted hit 100. Shortly thereafter, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought, man, what, what's the deal? And it's obvious because you know these go to 11 has been. It's rare for a week to get missed. Right, right. And it's not rare for a month to get missed with with gut check. <laughs> <laughs> Which made me think it might be an interesting topic to discuss, like why it is that, you know, wh- what is the, the thought behind very consistent, like the happy rent, yep. very consistent every week. If some people are going to be out of town, like you guys, like, like, like you and I have done, right. it's record some in advance. 
whereas um, I know I listen to some podcasts, even some very, very popular ones, where it's just like when a new one's done, we'll give it to you. Right. In the meantime, feel free to, uh, you know, get on Twitter and, and beg us. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder if one is more conducive to building a bigger audience. And I, I have some, I want to hear your opinion on that. Then I want to drop like an interesting kind of development on you and see what you think of it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think when you're just starting out and you don't have, a base for anything you you and Ted have kind of I mean you built a base for your books and the things that that you were doing even before you dropped the podcast and I think that helps you guys out tremendously yeah, where Greg be. and I didn't have as much of that background I mean Greg had written some books and of course being pastor there was a little bit of an audience there but for him and me I think it was more we had to be willing to put the work in to do one every single week to really get out there. I mean, we were at times we were even dropping two or three a week. Um, in some cases now we called them bonus episodes, but Mm -hmm. you know, we, I mean, it was, you know, the only thing bonus about it, you know, really was the name of the episode. I mean, we were still dropping the same content in each one of them. So I think for us, it was, it, there was a huge difference in that regard as opposed to you and Ted, what are you, what are your thoughts? What are some of the things that you wanted to throw down there? Well, you know, my assumption is conventional wisdom says the more frequently, and I remember this with blogging too, mm-hmm. uh, back when, uh, when Greg wanted you to set up a mm-hmm. blogspot site for him cause he couldn't figure it out. Um, like it was, if you do it consistently, don't overdo it. Don't do, you know, one every day cause people sure. get overwhelmed, but do one a week even if you feel like, I don't have the time, do something short, do something quick, you know, link to somebody else's thing, reblog something, just always be consistent. And that builds this slow, consistent um, kind of, it, it really, uh, eventually, um, oh, what's the term for when you, when you put the little number? Slow uh, burn. No, no, no. You put, this, this, is how, this is how out of it I am right now after, <laughs> after the last 36 hours. When you put like a little... Exponential. Oh, okay, I was okay. Say, when you put a little number above <laughs> superscript, but like I mean, because it can like compound. You know, the yeah. new people get new people, and 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 that you have to be really consistent. And I think you guys had that. I mean, to get to a hundred and some reviews in the amount of time you did on iTunes, mm-hmm. and the number of downloads you've seen. That's I mean, that's workhorse. You know, you're putting in the time, you're building the thing, and and it has to be good content, or no right. one's going to care. You know, right. you could come out with some. You could live stream your whole life, but if it sucks, no one cares. Right. But like that consistent, and yet I have found a strange thing, which is if like back when we were doing. I mean, the last time there was a full-on me and Ted episode was like March before we started the summer of gut check, mm-hmm. um, and and then I did this little bonus app where me and Johnny Shekels and and my buddy Alex were in. Um, Chicago for Doc and Devo. And of course, you know, we, we popped in on, on the, these go to 11 page and stuff. So it was just, you know, a little bonus, like, Hey, how you doing? And then all of a sudden I said, all right, we're going to build this back up, man. If people have unfollowed us on Twitter, if people have kind of forgotten about us every week. And as soon as we started doing that, we went from really, really heavy, really, really just mob flash mob swarm on each episode to people kind of, uh, I think, are like, oh, taking it for granted. Yeah, there will be another one. I don't need to jump on it. I, it. It's not a big event when one comes out. Right, right. You know what I mean? 
like you kind of you turn it into oh of course yeah every friday this happens yeah instead of whoa there's a new gut check or whoa there's like i think about like uh uh homestar runner do you remember yeah. that yeah oh yeah once in a while they'll still come out with a new tune and you know there are there are corners of the internet that lose their collective minds and i and i inhabit those corners and it's just like holy cow there's a new one and i wonder where the balance is between making it special right and making it consistent right uh and obviously too consistent you're going to overwhelm people and lose people too rare and unless you are a legend people are going to be like i'm not going to wait for this they'll unsubscribe right I don't know where you find that. You know, Doc and Devo, they do uh, two a week, sometimes plus a b- bonus. Yeah, yeah. And so what? Where, where do you find it? I don't know. It's it, Maybe it's just different for everybody and you have to play with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I think, too, uh, where you establish your presence kind of helps. You know, I mean, I think about it um, almost like communion in, in some regard. You know, I mean, there are churches out there that <laughs> the do – The sacrament of these go to 11 <laughs> – I was just going to make more of a general analogy, but you know, we can, we can go with that. Uh, (laughs) No, but, but if you think about different churches, right in, in different churches, some churches will do it um, as often as the doors are open. You know, there, there's a communion service. Um, It doesn't matter when it is. Some it's once a week, some it's once a month, you know? And so I think, I think for, for that purpose, you know, just kind of using the illustration, like, I don't think a lot of people really think too much in depth except for, you know, the people who are actually running it, but, but the congregation itself, I don't know that they're actually necessarily thinking about the frequency of it when they're in there doing it. Um, unless you've been doing it, you know, every time or once a week, and then you go to some place where it's like, oh, this is once a month. This is, this is kind of new. This is kind of weird. Um, once a quarter. Yeah, that'll blow your mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Reform people. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think I think there's just some, you know, the people who are listening to these, they get into a rhythm and a habit if they like the podcast of, okay, this, you know, I know this is just once a month or I know this is once a week or I know, you know, in, in yours and Ted's case, you know, sometimes it's like, Hey, we get one a week. And then it's like, Oh, we're, we're not getting anything for like four months, you know? I mean, but the fan base is used to it. And so then when you start throwing a curveball at him, you start throwing something new. It's almost like, I can't process this. What's going on here? And like you said, Oh, I've got time to listen to it now. I don't, I don't really need to, you know, make sure I get in there. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that and was, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think, I think that's where Greg and I, um, lost a little bit of traction was we were doing one a week and it was very, um, infrequent that we didn't. And when we were making the changeover with Greg needing to kind of cut back, um, Steve kind of joining in and moving on and, and joining the podcast, um, I think we lost a little bit of traction, even though it was really, I think it was only for a few months that we had that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still, you know, we just lost some traction because if you look at our numbers around that time, you know, we were doing really good and then we kind of dropped down and, you know, now things are, are, you know, kind of back up again, but it, it really did affect it even, even in that period of time. What were you going to say? I, I was going to say an interesting thing is when you look at uh, the numbers, which I mean, I don't obsess over them, 
Nathan, but I look at them all the time. And it's really easy with uh, these go to 11 because you're on Podbean, which just gives you one straight number of downloads yep. for each app. Now, that's not a total number because a lot of podcast aggregators actually make an, a copy their own copy right. of the mp3 and dole that out so you're not sure how many people have actually listened but you can compare them to each other right and it, what's interesting is people seem to be in the case of of this podcast three to four weeks behind i would mm. i would say a good 30 percent of the people they listen consistently but they're not right up to date they're like oh yeah i've, I've got to catch up a little and and they're always a little behind and, and I am often with, with podcasts that I love. I mean, it doesn't mean you don't like them. Right. With Clinch, I found that people were often, um, you know, a month or a month and a half behind. Yeah. And that was whether I was coming out with one every week or when I, for a while there, it was every three weeks or so near the end because I had to finish writing right. this thing. <laughs> um, and, and it was pretty consistent. People were a few episodes behind. And that gave me this sense of, well, I don't need to hurry. People, you know, people haven't yet caught up with me. So, right. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I think that everything we've said so, so far is true, but, but I'm a little bored by this discussion, even though it was my idea. <laughs> and I'm more interested, Nathan, in the thing that you brought up illustratively, which is the frequency of communion. And I'm wondering at, at Christ Fellowship, how often do you guys have communion? Uh, we do it once a month. So the first That's Sunday of every month. First Sunday. Yeah. That, yeah. That's because you guys are actually Baptist, even though in like 1625 you took the Baptist off the name. Um, wait a minute. Maybe I'm conflating you with another church. Were you ever Baptist there? No. 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 I, you know, if you were, if you were, we're technically uh, non denominational. If you were to really kind of press Greg, um, you know, I think he would kind of come out and say, yeah, we're, we're more closer to reformed Baptists than, um, anything else. Um, you sprinkle babies or you, you only dunk adults? Uh, no, we only dunk adults. Okay. And you have communion once a month on the first Sunday. Yeah. Um, and you're not part of a denomination that's telling you what to do, but rather you're autonomous. Yep. Uh, and you have what a board of elders and yeah. a board of deacons? Uh, not so much deacons, uh, but we do have a board of elders. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, you're you back. could. Yeah, although I was just going to say, you could say that our community leaders serve as our deacons. Do, do they? Who who helps if someone comes in? From the church and says, I, I can't pay my water bill and they're shutting it off Sunday. Yeah, so those are the community group leaders who. Yeah, who, so they, they yeah. function in a diacon. De- deacon, really, it's one of those things in the Bible. I mean, the word diakonos just means servant. Mm-hmm. So it's describing these are the servants. So we've turned it into this formal thing. And yes, there are, you know, specifications for or, or qualifications for it. But, you know, we got people functioning as servants, we got deacons. Right, so right. yeah, you, you guys, we have it once a month. And I have often thought, I'd love to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have kind of pushed back with, well, it's not as special then. Mm-hmm. And I have thought, no, it's it's special all the time because it's a participation in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Right. It couldn't be specialer. Right. Uh, I get to have it almost every week because I visit all my shut-ins and, and bring them communion. I go to the hospital, I go to the nursing home, you know, and I'm bringing it. But I, I really have been – what I've been doing lately is trying to make it more – um, more of a whole service thing. So that mm. if we're only going to do it once a month, we're really going to focus on it. Right. I robe up now on, on communion Sundays where, uh, Alb and a stole, 
Um, and we've moved it up in the service. So instead of being at the end and rushed, it's yep. before the sermon. Oh, and I'm nice. going to have to cut the sermon short if it's going to be something to cut short. Yep. I well, if you had your druthers, and I, and, uh, I recognize uh, that, that that's an old-timey saying, but I'm, I'm using it. Uh, what, if, what would be the frequency for you if, if they said, well, oh, it's up to you, Nathan. We're yeah. going to go. I would, I, would say, um, I would say just consistency once a month, but I do like that we um, will do it, even if we've done it like the first Sunday of the month, we'll do it during um, special services. So, you know, if we did it on, um, let's say Palm Sunday was the first Sunday of the month, we'll still do it on Good Friday. So uh-huh. I like the fact that we're not, you know, we're not so like, oh, we can only do it once that, you know, it's, it's a hyper thing. You know, we will, it, it will be done on, um, you know, during special times and special occasions, um, within the church, um, depending on what's going on. So, um, I, yeah, I'm not, and, and I think part of that is I just grew up doing it once a month. I really, I, I know of churches that will do it more frequently, but that's, that's kind of the model that I grew up into. And so it doesn't, um, it doesn't really bother me. It wouldn't. It, and again, it re- wouldn't really bother me if I was doing it once a week either. Like you said, I don't think I would find it less special um, because the purpose of why you're doing that is to reflect on what our savior has done for us to remember uh, what he did. And so I, I don't, I don't really worry about that as much. Um, I just, you know, I grew up doing it once a month and it's like, eh, uh, unless, you know, I found someone to, to really pull out a great convincing argument for me. I, I don't know that I would necessarily change it, although I could be changed on it. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not an essential of the faith by any stretch. Right. If, if uh, Easter Sunday falls on the first, like it did this past year, mm-hmm. uh, April 1, yep. do you guys still have communion on Easter Sunday? Yes. Along with everything else you do? Yep. Is it because uh, somebody wrote an article on the Gospel Coalition that said you have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know how, how much we love listening to them, right? <laughs> now, I wonder if part of, and I'm just talking off the cuff now, Yeah, part of the reason that we don't even consider, and I'm including my church in this too, I mean, it's, it's my, my, I've belonged to three churches in my life as a member, uh-huh. and they were all long-term deals, and they were all in the same denomination, and... I've never heard anyone say, I wonder why we do it this way and should we revisit whether this is something, you know, in Acts chapter 2, they gathered frequently for the breaking of bread. Should we do this every week? And I think maybe part of it is we don't value it enough and we think of it in terms as a, you know, a lot of Baptists, they fall down the the really extreme view of mere memorial. Mm. This is just to remember. You said to remember, and you're right, because Jesus said this too in remembrance of me. Right. But also, um, the scripture does tell us that when we you know, partake of these things, we do participate in the body and blood. The Baptist uh, confession says that we, we do spiritually, not corporeally, uh, actually uh, take into ourselves Christ crucified, his crucifixion, all the benefits thereof. Right. And you know, Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. There's, there's something God's doing, not just something we're doing. Right. And I think maybe uh, your, I mean, your average non-denom slash evangelical slaps, you know, ba- basic Baptist church, um, or you know, n- not getting into the Lutheran and 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 more 
sacramental traditions. But in, in, in the more just kind of evangelical American view, we've devalued it and kind of stripped it of power and meaning until it's it's just it's just a way to think about Jesus, you know. And just like if I l- looked at a picture of Jesus, um, you know, or thought about him dying on the cross, or but none of those things are things that we're commanded to do, and they don't have promises and warnings, right? The Corinthians, right. yeah, you take this unworthily, and this is why many of you have fallen ill, and some have fallen asleep, right? Yee. Right. You've literally died because of this. Right, yeah. So it's it's powerful. And I think maybe if we remembered that more, yeah. we'd be maybe we'd want to do it less. But, right. <laughs> but once a year, guys, least, once a year. Yeah, like yeah, I'll get really ready that once a year. The Jehovah's Witnesses do is something similar once a year. That's the only group I know of that's got annual communion. Um I don't think it's valid communion, obviously. But right. <laughs> I, I wonder if at least then we would take more care to consider how often. Yeah. It, rather than just say, and I say the same thing that you, you and I are like, we're, we're coming from the exact same place. Always been monthly, always been first week of the month. And in fact, every church I belong to, we do it with the little cups. We don't go forward. We don't have right. intention. We don't have, it's the exact same way. Little cups, you put them in a little holder in the pew in front of you when you're done. And then after the service on communion Sundays, we hold hands and say, uh, sing the same song. Mm. Which is uh, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, and it's it's so rote, mm. and you know it's so it's almost mechanical sometimes. Sure, yeah, I've I've actually when I was in college, I went to a Wesleyan uh, school, and uh, down at the bottom of the hill was Wesleyan Church, so we attended the church down at the bottom of the hill. And they actually practiced intinction. And I, I thought it was fascinating because uh, other than that four-year college time, I've, I had never seen that before, never heard of it before, and then started you know studying and looking into it. And I, I found it fascinating um, and really – I mean I actually enjoyed that um, as being something different. Uh, I think they were still once a month though. I don't think they mm-hmm. deviated from that. It was still a once-a-month thing. Uh, but yeah. that was what, fascinating to me. Wesleyan and, and Methodist churches generally do go once a month too. It's there's a, there's kind of a um, American tradition, I think, that that goes pan denominational on a lot of this stuff. Mm. Uh, and, and you know what, what's funny is if you if you don't like intention, you can always go on missional wear. Shout out to missional wear, and uh, go to the. I think it's on the Doc and Devo page. There's a sip it, don't dip it. Reformed Baptist Anti-Intinction League t-shirt that you can get with <laughs> graphics by Peter Voth, which I find funny. I have no issue with intinction whatsoever, uh, but I think it's funny that someone would care enough to like create a, uh, a fake organization and then make it real via t-shirts. Right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, my word. That's funny. I, I definitely going to have to check that out now. Um, I, the other, the other thing I did, um, uh, I did participate in, uh, actually I didn't participate in it, but witnessed it was, um, my wife's, uh, grandparents, their church, uh, did, um, almost, you know, like the, the kind of the Catholic thing where they put it on and then you sipped out of the same cup. Um, yeah, common cup that I, I wish that I felt comfortable with that. 
Yeah, well, the only the only way I would ever feel comfortable with it is if they were doing wine, not grape juice, because right. Yeah, allegedly, yeah. the alcohol does kill a lot of the. Yeah, I don't know though. Someone's got a canker sore right in front of you or something. Is there enough time for that all to get killed by the alcohol? Or yes, because it, it, um, the bacteria that comes from a person can't survive in the alcohol. Okay, I've been science teachered. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love the idea, and I love the idea of wine, and it's just two it's just two hills I'm not willing to die on. Right. Right. Yeah, and, and but, that's part but I of, love it. That's part of why we haven't done that because Greg has actually. Um, thought about doing something similar um, in that regard to, to doing um, Common Cup, but um, he does know of a couple uh, families in the church who have dealt with alcoholism directly. You know, they're, they're attending the mm. church. And he's like, you know, I, I know that they would not um, care in a certain regard, you know, but he's like, I also wouldn't want them to, you know, abstain from communion because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got one foot in the Lutheran church because my boy goes to Lutheran school. My wife was raised Lutheran, and whenever we visit her family, we go to Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, at the Lutheran churches I've gone to, they always use wine, and they generally have what they call a non-alcoholic wine. I don't think it is like Welch's. It's, it's just non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic wine. wine. yeah. And they have it available. And I think, you know, if it was common cup, you'd probably go over there and it would just be in tension would be available so that we don't have, you know, they don't, the cross contamination if, right. if someone's ill or something. Um, but you know, you can make that kind of thing available. It's like at our church for a long time there, we had a couple of people who were not like, uh, fashionably I'm giving up gluten, but like, I could die kind of stuff. Right. Uh, a guy was celiac where it's just wasn't a joke. And then a lady with a deadly allergy. Mm. And so we went full, um, gluten free mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, and then the lady with the deadly allergy, her husband took a pastorate. She went somewhere else. And the guy with celiac was like, you know what? This tiny little half a gram once a month is not going to hurt me. Mm. you know, I cheat all the time. And right. so we went, we went back cause it was cheaper, easier and tasted better and didn't have the consistency of like, powder in your mouth right now do you do like the uh the suit the oyster crackers or do you do like a wafer type bread or no not either i bring i'll bring uh sometimes i'll bring like the little round wafer with the cross on them i've got i bought like a zillion of those like 10 years ago and i still have the same box (laughs) uh maybe i'll if i'm doing a hospital call in a hurry i'll grab those generally we have a recipe for uh unleavened bread and our deacons just take turns making it they make one little uh, round loaf about the size of my hand and yep. put a cross on it and we put that on the tray and that's the one I break when I say this is my body broken for you and then um, when I mean I say Jesus said this is my body right, I'm not right, right, right. my body right <laughs> and then <laughs> just clarification they've, uh, there <laughs> just, and, and, and it's it, what's more it's not my body um, and uh, and then they've uh, cut up a whole bunch of the same stuff and it, it tastes good to me it's got like some molasses in it it is unleavened so the symbolism is is full and complete yep and it doesn't have that styrofoam like um, it's, it's not distracting I don't oh, think nice. like in the way that something's I, I I get distracted if I go somewhere and they've just like bought like some wonder bread and just like cut that up and I have to get over that because it, it it doesn't matter what kind of bread we're using. It's right. you know the heart and and this kind of thing, but it can it can get in my way pretty quick. Yeah. Um. And, and I think for some people, you know, even though wine certainly seems to me a more biblical way, right. this is oinos we're talking about. But if that would get in the way, and that would be like they'd be preoccupied with 
the chemical compound in their mouth right. rather than with what it means. You know, it's not worth not yeah. worth pursuing, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, no, I totally agree. It's interesting you brought up, you know, kind of using Wonder Bread or whatever. At the school I went to, they used to bake these whole loaves because, you know, you're – you're dipping it in. So you have to get a piece off. Um, and I remember, you know, this is the one awkward thing about intinction that I remember because you're always self-conscious about ripping off something too small and then you're dipping your fingers in there or mm. ripping it off too big where you're like, I just got half the loaf, you know, I mean, right. And so and you're that, leaving <laughs> crumbs behind. Yeah. <laughs> So I do remember that being kind of like the one thing that was always like joked about, um, you know, after communion is like, so was yours too big or too small? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like I like the breaking off everyone breaking off a piece, though. Yeah, there's something in the in the action then where and and as a Baptist, I don't want people I want people to think of this as a sacrament of the church, right. not some little thing anyone can do anywhere and it's and it's kind of cute and you know a sacrament of the church and we do it when we're together. Yep. But I don't want them to think I'm doing anything magic up there. Yeah. Um yeah. we we do teach that you do uh partake of Christ crucified spiritually when you take it in. You're not we go with the, the sixteen eighty nine. You're you're not just remembering him, but it's not that I have zapped it and turned it from bread into something else. Right. Um. And and, and I don't mean to be flippant about people who do have a teaching of of especially consubstantiation, right. which which I think is is a beautiful thing too. And I I don't have a you know I don't want to fight about that, but I want to be clear about what we're teaching and what we're doing. And if everyone's clear about it, I think there's a lot less chance for misunderstanding and and i think if if we teach about it and talk about it we're way more likely to to ask the question why do we do it once a month maybe should we try once a week for a couple months and see what we think or you know should we try some different methods would it be cool if people came forward or would people are there you know is there someone who can't walk well and they'd feel excluded if we brought it to them Mm -hmm. there's there's so much you know just breaking out of those habits those those going through the motion kind of things ain't changing any little thing can make you can kind of shake you out of your stupor right you know and go oh wait this is that's right there's something to this right something behind this right yeah and i think those things are important especially um for us as believers because I feel like so many times, even these little things build on and add to the notion that God works in certain ways and he can't work outside of these things. And when we break outside of those, we remember that, you know, people are doing things differently all the time and in every way. And and God is still meeting with his people where they are, Um, you know, as long as we're not, you know going completely off the rails with, you know, what scripture's teaching in terms of, you know, the, the method. And it really, it, it doesn't, all it says is, you know, as often as you do this, you know, and so, you know, making sure that as churches, we are taking the time to do it. That's the most important thing. But, but I like what you said, because so many times we are just in this, uh, you know, automatic mode where it's like, oh, this is just the thing to do. And so really taking the time to examine ourselves and remember what Christ did and, and you know, what we are doing ourselves in that moment um, is so important. Let me ask you, um, 
one more question, Zach, about um, communion, because I, I found this fascinating. I know um, a lot of pastors who disagree on this and do different things. Uh, weddings with communion. Do you um, allow the bride and groom to have first communion together um, as husband and wife, or is it something where you know you say, I don't mind if you have communion, but I want to offer it to everyone who's there as part of the service, or do you just say, nope, this isn't part of the church service, and so we're not doing it? I have only once had anyone request it, mm-hmm. and I said, I will do it for you, but I won't offer it for everyone. Okay. Um, and, and, and we had a, it was, it was really convenient because uh, one pastor had brought this very, very big wide nailer uh, and left it at our church for a different pastor to pick up for his church. Mm-hmm. And in the interim, we had a wedding where they wanted to do communion. <laughs> so I had them kneel and it was, it was and they put their hands out uh, as at a communion rail. And I, and I gave them both the, it was beautiful. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see that more. Mm-hmm. The reason I won't do it for everybody is because a wedding is not a gathering of the congregation of the saints. It's a, it's a communal public gathering, bringing in a mixed group and, I think there would be a lot of people who would say, oh, we're doing this? Sure, okay. I remember when I was a kid, we used to do this you know, at my mm-hmm. church. you know, Maybe I, I had first communion when I was six years old at St. John's Catholic Church in right. you know, Paducah, Kentucky or something, and I haven't done anything that would indicate or, or, or read the scriptures or thought in a way or lived in a way or anything to indicate that I, I really am born again, but I have this – you know. It's nostalgic for me. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be the one to offer that to them and have them partake of this in an unworthy way. Right. I, so, so I'm not going to – we don't do closed communion at my church. I understand why some churches do. Mm-hmm. Um, we have open communion. I, I take a moment at the beginning. I stand at the altar and I say, listen, if you have put your faith in Jesus and you're baptized, then you belong here with us and you're welcome to, to take this meal with us. Right. And I believe that it's a, a really beautiful way, you know, if people from different denominations, different congregations are worshiping together to take communion together. Um, and, and I really like it that other churches have open communion because then as I visit other places, I can experience different ways. And I'm always – I try not to be, but I'm always a, just a touch kind of uh, offended when I can't. Right. You know, yeah. even though I get, I get the reason behind it, right. but, but there's a, a certain exclusive – exclusionary exclusiveness that makes me go, wait a minute. We see things a little differently and we do things a little differently, but are you implying here that I'm not worthy to come to the altar? Right. Um, Yeah. It's, it's up to everybody individually, but yeah, with weddings, I've only once, and it was a Burmese couple um, at the Burmese church that that meets in our building and they really wanted it. And I was more than happy to provide it. Nice. Nice. Dude, this has been uh, this has been a great kind of turn of events here, and what we're what we're talking about. <laughs> I remember, dude, it's getting, always an adventure. I know, right? I remember getting the text <laughs> from you, and it's like, hey, we're, let's talk about you know hundredth episode and you know milestone and blah blah blah. blah. And it's like, okay, that sounds cool, and and then it's like, uh, nope, let's not talk about that. I'm tired of that conversation. <laughs> One thing I do want to mention to uh, um, kind of use your hard work and your platform to uh, promote something else is um, the, <laughs> the Summer of Gut Check t-shirt that I designed that I'm just so proud of it. It's going to be available soon. Do you remember the black Metallica Ride the Lightning concert tour yes. t-shirts? Yes. I, I, got a, 
I got a summer of gut check one that's exactly the same. Nice. It's, it's got the uh, the same font and the same like 3D metallic gut check podcast at the top. It's got the like the lightning and the like blue fire. And then I don't know what the world that thing was in the middle of the original T-shirt, but it's a podcast mic instead. Nice. <laughs> and it's got the scratchy font. It says summer. And then on the back, instead of uh, like tour dates and cities, it's got dates and episode names. That's awesome. <laughs> It's, it's it's pretty money, and uh, we're going to get those up there uh, shortly. And you know, I know Missional Wear is really rocking it with the one T-shirt on the gut check page, but uh, <laughs> we're going to have them outnumbered four to one soon. Uh, um, but <laughs> I thought I thought that I thought you would appreciate that. Yeah, um, dude. And, I'll, and I will send you one of those, man. Awesome. Yes, I want to know. And as soon as you uh, make sure that you. Um, uh, at least uh, send me the links personally when you get them up, like like tweet out. Because you, you have uh, – I gave you access to the Facebook and Twitter account, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'm, make I'm sure old. make sure you blast them out on the these go to 11 uh, Facebook and Twitter too. Nice, yeah. Thanks, man. Hey, speaking of which, we should probably put a little poll up about uh, communion when we, when we launch this puppy. You know, how frequently do you do it? And let's see what, what people say. I'd be very curious. Yeah, that would be good. I got to figure out how to do that now. <laughs> oh, when you when you go to tweet, there's one option. Just looks like you know a bar graph. You click it, and boom, you've got it's right your, there. your little. Okay, yeah, cool, it's super easy. Dope. Do we have time to talk Ant Man and the Wasp, or do you got to get going to another movie? No, man, we got we got time. We're we're going to the, we're going a little later, so we got we got time to talk about that. We're going to eleven. That's right. <laughs> Not quite to eleven, but. <laughs> Speaking of which, aside, we always, when the clucks are over here, we always put a big movie screen up and, and a projector and watch a movie on it. Uh-huh. And last night we watched uh, another Christopher Guest fake documentary uh, by the name of Waiting for Guffman. You know that one? No, I don't. Really? Oh, yeah. dude, you gotta watch it. So it's it's not all the same cast. There's no Harry Shearer. There's no Michael McKeon. But it's you know Eugene Levy and like uh, all kind of Parker Posey. You know, kind yeah. of the staple of that kind of uh, mockumentary. And it's about this. <laughs> it's about this small town in Missouri that's having its sesquicentennial celebration. And there's this guy from New York who teaches theater and drama at the high school in this little Missouri town, Blaine, okay. Missouri. And he has written a uh, musical about the 150th anniversary, about the town. And it's about like just this really weird little world of like community, small town theater. And, and they get it in their minds that they might be able to take this show to Broadway. It is so funny. It's funny in the exact oh, same way that Spinal Tap is, uh, where everything is done without a wink, without any... You know, every <laughs> right, straight right, face. <laughs> oh, it's you check it out. Waiting for Guffman. Waiting and for Guffman. All right. Of course, there's a bunch of them. It's best in show. There's uh, what's the folk song one? Oh, good night. That's one of my favorite ones. It's uh, oh, I when I listen to this later, I'm going to like gonna be yelling it, at myself right. and be like, idiot. It's called. I don't remember. Just retweet uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the guy, the, the, those guys really. Uh, Almost, I feel like the office and Parks and Rec and everything kind of just yoinked that from them. The oh, Talking yeah. Head, the, it's it's a, such a great uh, brand of entertainment. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check that one out because the the only one that I've seen is uh, this is Spinal Tap. Um, you know, and I've seen. Oh yeah, it's probably the best one. Time, it really so. is. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to see if I can find some of the others. That's hysterical. So Ant Man and Wasp. Um, 
tell me, uh, so for those of you who are listening now, just FYI, um, we kind of bounced around back and forth, spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, I, there, there are some things we can talk about generically with this without talking about spoilers, but I definitely think we're going to hit some spoilers. Um, first of all, before we get into the movie, because I know part of what we want to branch off into this is the spoiler conversation. Um, you know, when is it appropriate? When isn't it? Uh, let's let's hit that a little bit now because I have a feeling like we won't we won't delve into that too deep uh, because right. we still do want to talk about Ant Man and Wasp. But um, so I know for you, you have an Ant Man and Wasp spoiler story i'm going to tell my story first because mine's a little older and by a little i mean like what 20 years um where when a certain movie by m night Shyamalan came out called the sixth sense uh it was still in theaters so you know i mean at that point you had what uh you know three, four months of a movie being in theaters and then, you know, you'd have another, you know, seven or eight months before it, you know, hit VHS or DVD. And um, I was talking to my friend about it. He had just gone and seen it over the weekend. I was like, oh, that's so great. You know, it's it, it's getting great reviews. I think I'm going to go and see it this weekend. He's like, oh, you'll love it. Bruce Willis is dead. And I'm like, wait a minute! I haven't seen that yet. Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. <laughs> Dang it, Nathan! I know, right? <laughs> Dude, did you punch him? Did you did you purple belt that guy I, when he did that? So so funny story. This is the same guy who trained in martial arts with me. But yes, I did. I gave him a dead leg for that one. I was like, oh, you punk! Um, Dude, that is such a nasty, nasty thing to do to somebody. <laughs> You're stealing from them joy, right? I mean, yes. you literally are. You're siphoning away enjoyment, of, and, and they can never get it back. Yes. It's just impossible. Yes. If you know Bruce Willis is dead, if you know – there's, I mean, I could go through – if you know who Kaiser Soze is, right. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you, you can't ever unknow that. Right. And that means that, that you don't ever get the real experience of this thing. Right. Right. And I feel like there's a difference. So, you know, there are movies that I will – every Star Wars movie that comes out, I watch every piece of information on it. Every trailer that comes out, every teaser that comes out. Um, I don't tend to read articles, but I'll watch all the trailers and everything. And so if I get something in the trailers that's going to tip me off, I consider that my fault, you know, because I, I watch one too many things. I put all the clues together. And so I consider that to be my fault. But if someone hasn't seen the movie yet and I tip them off or they tip me off, I haven't seen the movie and they've seen it and they tip me off to something, that's totally their fault. And you had a similar experience with Ant-Man and Wasp. So I want you to go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Well, to, to, for starters, another issue uh, in the spoiler discussion is the fact that it's almost impossible to spoil Ant-Man and Wasp for someone because the trailer already did that. Right. Right. right yeah. In that literally every cool moment except one yes. in the entire movie was in the trailer. And I'd watched the trailer five, six times because my son kept wanting to rewatch it. Yep. And so if you've seen the trailer, 
Um, you know, there's the, the Hello Kitty Pez. Yeah. You know, there's the car getting shrunk and then getting big and tossing the other car off. I mean, just over and over and over again, everything is kind of revealed. Yep. Um, if you haven't seen Ant-Man and Wasp, uh, I'm going to say a couple of minor spoilers. So just hit the plus 30 seconds button on your podcast app now and I'll fit them in. So Lawrence Fishburne being the bad guy, I did not no, but I saw it coming. I think everybody did. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the the fact that this girl was you know in trouble and they were going to help her uh, the the ghost, which yeah. was a cool twist on an old comic character of the ghost. Yeah. Um, but but you know there were there were there wasn't much to it that I hadn't already seen in the preview. I was a little disappointed that they gave it they they gave it all away, yeah. and I walked out of there going, huh. And the one thing. The one thing that could have been a cool, oh my gosh, what a great moment. Another spoiler coming, so skip it now if you don't want Frank Turk to ruin the movie via me for you, (laughs) um, was the after credit sequence. Yes. So Frank Turk had uh, tweeted uh, or or Facebook Facebook post, he's off Twitter. Um, I just saw Ant-Man and Wasp, but I only have one thing to say. Why, Thanos, why? (laughs) And I immediately knew, okay, Characters are going to disappear because of the finger snap, and yeah. it's going to tie it into. And I intuited if this is going to happen, it's not going to be the, in the main part of the movie. It's going to be in the after credit sequence. Yep. And I didn't know who, and I wrote that better not be a spoiler. And Turkish is like, how could it be a spoiler? You already saw Infinity War. You already know what Thanos did. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know where this took place in comparison to that. Right. Whether or not, and so it would have been like a cool, like my son and my wife gasped mm. when it happened. And I didn't get to gasp because right. it had already been, it already been spoiled for me. Right. And, and it's just like, you know, my wife will freak out on someone if they start talking at all about a movie that she wants to see. They'll say, oh, I went and saw, you know, blah, blah. And, and she'll just say, she, she, I, I haven't seen it. Don't say anything. Right. Look like no 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 I'm not going to ruin it for you I just wanted to tell you no 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 no, no, no. right <laughs> don't tell me anything <laughs> and, and I don't go that far but but I probably should I really don't want I want to go in and I want to experience it for myself I don't want to hear your thoughts on it and have those like kind of taint my view of this thing yeah from the beginning yeah yeah so w- what was your thought on it did you think there was enough or did you think that it had already been spoiled by Disney when they cut the trailer. No, I think um I think they gave me exactly what I uh exactly what I saw in the theater. Um I don't I don't know that I would have felt like they they could have cut out a bunch of stuff and I don't know that they would have I would have felt like the movie was spoiled or not spoiled um in some way. I mean, based on the first Ant-Man, I think this Really, I think this amped it up, but I think it delivered a very consistent, what I would say is Ant-Man's story. You know, I don't know that there were any twists or turns or surprises. Um, my wife and I just finished watching the movie Oblivion. This is a movie from 2013 with Tom Cruise. Did you ever see it? I didn't. Okay. I, I the, didn't say to tell me anything about it. I didn't see it. Yeah. I, the, <laughs> <laughs> I will not spoil it. Um, there's a lot going on in the movie that had I seen it at the time, I really feel like I would have been pleasantly surprised by many of the things that were going on. 
seeing it all those year, all these years later, and and honestly, there was very little that I knew about the movie. But seeing it all these years later, I was actually able to kind of go through and be like, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And my wife was kind of laughing at me until all those things started happening. And she's like, how did you know that? It's like, because the movie really at the time, I think would have been more unique. Now, a lot of these things have been done. And so I just, I saw it coming and I felt like Ant-Man and Wasp was very similar in that regard. There wasn't really anything in there that I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like the, the stuff that we talked about earlier with um, what happened in the post credit scene. Nobody really spoiled that for me, but I saw it coming. And so for me, it w- it's more difficult to, to gauge that. Now, I will say this. I think the last movie that was spoiled for me was um, The Force Awakens, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. And, and it, I'm going to bring up the spoiler. Um, so if, you got, if people want to fast forward, they can. But I will say this. That you movie being two and a half scene, years right? old. Yeah. That's, that's the scene that was spoiled for me. And it was the person who was talking to me thought they were being really clever and trying to like, you know, not give anything away. But it's like in, in mentioning and saying what they said, I, I totally knew what was going to happen. Um, you know, and so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about wh- when do you think it's okay to drop a spoiler on something? I, it's at least ten years, okay. Before it's okay in comic, at least, okay. And, and I mean, if, if it's a movie you're telling, if you if you like it and you're telling people they should see it, mm-hmm. then never spoil it, right? Right, right. If it's a if it's a semi inconsequential, like in a sermon illustration, I'll occasionally uh, talk about a film, mm-hmm. and and I'll sometimes say, look, this is from you know. Uh, if I'm talking Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'll say, I'll right. tell you, I'm going to talk about the end, but, uh, you know, what have you been doing since 1979 where you couldn't see this thing? Right. You know, you didn't have two hours. Um, but, but I feel like anything more recent and even like seven, seven years ago is 2011. That mm-hmm. I can't believe. Mm-hmm. But if a movie came out seven, eight years ago, I feel like there's so many movies out there and they're now so accessible Mm-hmm. that they have a longer lifetime mm-hmm. you know yeah they don't disappear into the the just alphabetical back room of the the video rental place anymore right. and no one looks at them they they're still on netflix as you, you go through and stuff and so yeah just just don't be that guy yeah. don't be that and, and people who think they're funny in doing it are these the same people who would like you know i, I remember um we were just at camp. I was camp pastor up in northern Michigan. We were talking about a week where it was like 97 degrees out, mm-hmm. and obviously there's no air conditioning in these cabins. And one guy went into another guy's cabin and built a fire in the fireplace <laughs> and, and just stoked it. And I'm like, okay, that's the kind of guy who's going to spoil a movie for it and think he's being cute. Right. <laughs> Although I got to be honest with you, if uh, if it's not the, happening to me, I'm gonna yeah. laugh my head off. That does sound. That's a pretty funny gag. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I you know, in general, when I'm talking with someone and um, working with my buddy Nathan has actually really helped kind of refine what you know I think is spoilery and not because you you know if you're writing a review on something you can't write spoilers on it you have to keep a lot more general and generic when you're talking about certain things mm-hmm. um, but you know for me I feel like you know 
if I'm if I'm talking with someone, usually what I'll do is, you know, I will ask them, "Have you seen this?" and and usually, like, I have about a year um, threshold on stuff. So, like, if somebody's sitting there and we're talking about something, I'm not going to talk about anything more recently um, without that question popping into my head. If it's over a year, then mostly with the people that I know and am familiar with, I I generally assume they've seen it because most of the people I hang around with are movie people. So it's it's very rare, but I I usually do throw the question down and I'm like, have you seen this? And I, I'll honestly I'll say you know with a lot of those people too, if they haven't, if it is older than a year, they'll be like, oh, I don't care. I'm probably not going to see it at this point. Um, huh. So you know, and and I think that has a lot to do with you know just if if I want to see a movie, I'm going to go and see it now. You know, unless like with Oblivion, I had a friend who just really he loved the movie, but um, he was really the only one that I knew who loved the movie, <laughs> um, and so he he kept recommending it to me. Finally, I just saw it this past week, and yeah, it, it was a good movie, and uh, there you know there was a lot going on in there, um, but quite honestly, if somebody had you know spoiled it for me, I you know. If I had really, really wanted to see it, I would have seen it between, you know, in the past five years. Um, but I don't know. What, what if you just missed it? You didn't even know it was out because it was it was released against a huge blockbuster. Or what if you were super, super busy during the month that it was in the theater? Or what if you didn't have extra money to go see it and it kind of flew under your radar, but it's exactly your kind of movie? I, I don't know. I, I just – I feel like a year is a super short amount of time in, in – the entertainment um, kind of the, the world of when, when am I going to consume something somebody created? And I have seen movies that were six or seven years old that I had just heard of mm-hmm. and they've become favorites of mine. Uh, and granted every movie can't be spoiled. A lot of movies, it's just, you know, and you, you can tell me how it ends and it's not going to matter that much or it's obvious, you know, like right. the girl that got kidnapped doesn't get killed. They rescue her. I mean, okay, I knew that. Right. Right. But, um, I don't know. To, to me, it, it and, and it gets into a weird place with like when when you used to be it used to be like permanent co-host on uh, when it was called Pop Culture Ninja on that right. on that podcast. Right. Did I, I'm trying to recall. I, I, I've listened to some of those early ones, especially, but I'm trying to recall if you would just spoil things or if you tried to you know play it close to the vest and and keep it vague. It was it was usually a combination. So. Nathan and I would discuss offhand if we were going to full out spoil it. If we were going to full out spoil it, we would give the warning. You know, it's like this is for those of you who've seen uh-huh. the movie. You know, if you haven't seen the movie, you're going to want to turn this off, go see it, and then come back and listen to this. And actually, my my buddy um, John, uh, who's the one who recommended Oblivion, he'll do that on on the podcast. If if I because typically I'll throw up either a movie title or a movie description. Either from these go to eleven or from uh, the Phantom Galaxy now. Uh, once Pop Culture Ninja, and if he hadn't seen it, he's just like, yeah, I've got it in my queue and I'm saving it for later. Um, you know, but but normally we we do throw up the spoiler warning. Hey, we are going to talk about spoilers in this. You're not, you know, this is the time to kind of you know shut it off. Or a lot of times we will again warn and say we're not going to talk about spoilers in this. 
we're just going to give a general review. And and I'll say there have been times where we're where we've said we're not going to talk about spoilers. And then we start talking we're like, you know what, we really can't talk about some of these other things unless we talk about spoilers. So go ahead and turn it off and come back to it later. So we try to give a really good warning before we do that. Or if we mess something up, we try to keep note of it and edit it out later. So, you know, I mean, it, but in the general course of conversation, like to me, when I think of spoilers, like I'm thinking I'm in a conversation with a couple people and we're talking about the thing that we've seen and somebody comes walking by and they're like, you know, they kind of go all crazy. I haven't seen it yet. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry you haven't seen it, but I'm talking to this person who has, it's not like I was intentionally trying to blow the movie for you, you know? Um, and I think what we're talking about is more of the one-on-one dropping the hint in the clue, whatever it might be. Wouldn't you say that's more what we're talking about here? Yeah. And, and well, or, or social media, that's what Turkish did. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm, I can safely say this. And I said, I don't think you can. (laughs) And, and he never, he, he insisted and still does to this day that he did nothing wrong and is innocent of spoiling and that I'm being stupid. (laughs) I I guess it's, it's one of those things where, you know, different people's perspective of what a spoiler is yeah. um, are, is going to differ. And I'm taking the chance by being on social media. It's like with me, with a show that I watch, I don't have cable, right? I have Amazon prime. Yep. And, and in addition to that, if there's a show I like, my wife and I will buy the season of the show. It's cheaper yep. than cable sure. because we don't watch much TV. So there's a show that's a spinoff of breaking bad called better call Saul. Yep. Uh, it's probably the best show that's ever been made probably tied with Breaking Bad for that, in my opinion. I think it's just insane. So what I do is when I buy the season, I get to watch it the day after it airs. So it airs at 9 on Tuesday, say, Wednesday morning, it's available to me. Wednesday night, my wife and I will watch it. Well, I have to make sure I don't go on Facebook on Wednesday because I'm part of like three different Better Call Saul groups. Right. And my feed is just going to be full of people going, oh, my gosh, could you believe when – and right. I'm like, don't want to see it. It's on me to avoid it, I think, on social media. Sure. Um, and I should have seen that word Ant-Man. <laughs> I just saw Ant-Man and Wasp and stopped reading. It was my fault, right? I mean, so if I want to know nothing about it, I can keep myself from knowing something about it. Right. Well, and I think, too, like normally what I'll do when I'm engaging with someone, too, is, like I said, I throw that cursory like, hey, have you seen this? You know, um, for me, again, like the circle of friends that I'm in for the most part, we are seeing things within a year of when they came out or it's just kind of like it's there's so much going on with it. And and I don't know that there's a ton of stuff that's huge spoiler. I mean, I feel like Marvel has some hidden secrets, some hidden gem in it always. And so we're typically seeing that opening weekend or within um within the weekend of opening weekend you know it's not very late that we're seeing some of those things but i feel like most of the movies that come out you know there aren't those huge like six cents spoilers out there where it's like it just it threw you totally into left field and you're like what just happened um and i don't know if it's because it's the type of movie that's coming out um or 
or what. Um, my friend John that I was telling you about, he's actually a lot, uh, very similar to your wife in that regard where he doesn't want to know anything about anything that's going on with any movie that he wants to see. So any of the Star Wars movies that come out, he very much just avoids trailers like The Plague for the off chance that they're going to drop something in there that could be a spoiler. Right. Um, uh-huh. And you know, for me, and I, and, I, and it might just be the, you know, the, again, the differences of what you think a spoiler is or isn't, you know, I mean, um, if we were, you know, watching a trailer of Star Wars, A New Hope, um, you know, from 1977, I mean, those trailers that they used to make for movies were like three or four minutes long, you know, yeah. I mean, you, you cram a ton of information into those, um, you know, so, you know, for me, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, it's it is what it is. You know, I was uh, annoyed with the Sixth Sense thing because, again, the movie was still in theaters at that point. It's not even like, you know, it had been out a year. Um, it, it was still running on the screen, and it wasn't even a. And I had specifically said, "Oh, I'm going to see it this weekend." Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so I think I think there are differences, you know, with with the spoilers and stuff too. Of you know, different people that you're hanging around with and all that, and you know, I've got a bounce, but I've got two closing thoughts. Okay, one. Trailers are the biggest offender of spoiling. Mm-hmm. Hands down, the people who make them, they don't so much care, I don't think, if they really kind of suck the fun out of watching the movie. If yeah. they can get you to buy that ticket, that's what matters. Right, right. Um, and, you know, like I remember seeing at least two trailers in the past 10 years where I thought, I'd, I, I wish I could have seen that movie, but I never will. One of them was a movie, I don't remember what it was called, but Richard Gere was in it. Richard okay. Gere is is hunting an assassin. He's like a an a, like FBI agent or something. Okay. And it's an assassin that strangles people with a garrette or whatever you call garrette. Uh, what do you call that? You probably have one in your house, right? Um, <laughs> you know the assassin thing with the like wire. You strangle right. them. Yeah. And uh, like two thirds of the way through the <laughs> through the trailer, they just show him like grab a little thing off his watch and zzz, pull it out and strangle somebody. It's like, oh, he's, he's, he's hunting the bad guy and he's the bad guy. Right. And now I know. And now why bother to watch the movie? Right. So, so trailers. I, I love hate trailers. I love, like I always get the movie early enough to watch the previews. It's one of my favorite things, mm-hmm. but half the time I'm like, okay, not so much. It's like girls, right? Walking around going, I'm going, you're very pretty. You don't need to show that much to everybody. Right. All right. You're, you're, in fact, less is more. Right. Same thing with the movie trailers. And, and uh, I'm going to probably get some kind of hate mail for that and shaming people <laughs> or something. Oh, well, if the shame fits, wear it. That's but, right. uh, <laughs> and the other thing is you really can spoil a movie without telling me the spoiler by saying I won't tell you how it ends because I don't want to spoil it. Right. Boom. Right. I know there's a twist now. Yeah. You, you know, I know you, you – so now – I'm going, I'm ready for it. I'm trying to guess what it is. I'd like to be caught off guard. I'd like to be sucker punched by it. Right. I, that's what the filmmaker intended me to experience. And so just to say less is more again when describing a movie. And, and, and I do like hearing about movies I'm never going to see if people love them. Mm-hmm. Spoil away. I especially like talking about movies I've seen with people who've also seen them. Right. That's, that's my favorite uh, cinematic conversation. 
Yeah. But yeah, spoilers are one of my great pet peeves that, that they really, they, they challenge my sanctification, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> understandable, understandable. Oh man. Well, dude, this was, uh, this was good. We'll have to uh, sit down next time and uh, really talk about Ant-Man a lot more because uh, we just kind of yeah. talked about spoilers and all that. But What are hey, you going to see tonight? Um, skyscraper. Oh, dude, at the end, it turns out that The Rock <laughs> is the skyscraper. They're the same. I thought, I thought it was going to turn out that he jumps out and he's like this albino gorilla from Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Dude, this was great. Uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.